0: 70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world.
1: Hi, my name is Hugo Longhi, and I'm from Rosario, Argentina. I started to listen to KBS World Radio in July 1990, and I have so many fond memories. One of the most unforgettable memories is my visit to Korea in 1996, at the invitation of KBS. It was a great opportunity for me to get to know more about the very modern country, with thousands of years of traditions still intact. Of all the wonderful experiences, the visit to Jum on the border of South and North Korea was very touching. As I tuned into KBS World Radio, I got to learn a lot about the country in the Far East that had been unfamiliar to me and became interested in everything that is going on over there. I hope KBS World will continue its shortwave radio transmission. I wish everyone good health and happiness and send greetings from Argentina. Thank you. 70
0: years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you, wherever you are.
2: Hello, it's Wednesday, the 8th of February, and welcome to another edition of Korea 24. I'm your host, Kwon jang the opposition-controlled National Assembly has voted to impeach Interior Minister Lee Sang-min over the government's mishandling of the Itaewon crowd crush. We'll have more in news briefing shortly. The outdated photo of a murder suspect released by the police late last year received criticism for not accurately showing the suspect's image. We look into the country's suspect identity disclosure system for our in-depth today. And then coming up for Korea Book Club, we look at a science fiction short story set in the near future after the collapse of human society due to climate change. Let's begin Korea 24. The National Assembly, dominated by the main opposition and Democratic Party, has voted to impeach Interior Minister Lee Sang-min over the government's alleged mishandling of the Itaewon crowd crush. This is the first ever impeachment of a cabinet official in the country's 75-year constitutional history. For more on this story and our other headlines from today, I'm joined in the studio by KBS World Radio News Editor Daniel Che. Daniel, hello. Hello there, jungle
3: So this was a widely expected outcome. Nonetheless, it was a historical one. That's right. In Wednesday's plenary session of Parliament, the motion passed. 179-209, with five votes disqualified as invalid. The case is sent to the Constitutional Court, meaning he is suspended from duties until the ruling has been made. The motion was jointly submitted on Monday by the majority-holding main opposition Democratic Party, with the Justice Party and Basic Income Party joining as well. National Assembly Speaker Kim jin plan was to hold the vote after the ongoing parliamentary interpolation session, but the D.P. protested the timetable and held a vote to switch the order of proceedings and push up the vote on the impeachment impeachment motion
2: and we have response from the nation's top office uh, among
3: others can you tell us uh, more about their remarks well the presidential office slammed the national assembly's passage of the impeachment motion saying it's an abandonment of parliamentarism it will go down in parliamentary history the government and ruling party maintained it did not violate the law or constitution in its response to the crowd crush emphasizing they do not warrant impeachment As we mentioned, it is up to the Constitutional Court now
2: over whether he will be uh, taken out of office or not. Uh, So that is something we'll, of course, uh, keep an eye on moving forward. Meanwhile, a Seoul court has slapped a fine of eight million won on former lawmaker Kwak Sang-do over his connection to the daejang land development scandal. Can you tell us more about this ruling and also remind us of this case?
3: Right. On Wednesday, the South Central District Court found Kwok not guilty of receiving and brokering bribes, but fined him $8 million won for violating the Political Funds Act. The court's decision comes after Kwok was indicted last February on three charges, including bribery and violation of the Political Funds Act, for which the prosecution had sought 15 years in prison and a fine of some $5 billion won. Kwok was accused of receiving $5 billion won, or around $3.9 million U.S. dollars, in the form of his son's severance pay from asset management company, Hua Chun in return for helping the company form a consortium with Hana Bank. Prosperers believe Kwok exerted influence on Hana Financial Group Chairman Kim Jong-te to keep the consortium alive at the request of Kim Man-be, the largest shareholder of Hua Chun Daeyu. was also suspected of receiving illicit political contributions around the time of the 2016 parliamentary elections to the tune of 50 million won from lawyer Namuk, a central figure in the project. The latest ruling is the first to be issued for a key figure of the Te development scandal.
2: Let's turn to some other headlines now. President Yoon sang yeol has criticized the Moon Jae-in administration for neglecting essential integrated defense drills involving the government, military, police and civil sector out of a reliance on what he called fake
3: peace. Can you tell us more? Presiding over a session of the Central Integrated Defense Council on Wednesday, he pointed out the meeting was scaled down under the previous government. Yoon pledged to continue leading the annual council sessions emphasizing the gravity of the rapidly changing security environment, including North Korea's various evolving threats. He then called for improvements in the integrated defense system as well as the nation's emergency response. It was the first time in seven years the meeting was presided by a sitting president. Staying with the nationwide
2: civil defence exercises, uh, this will be the first time in six years it's being held. So what can we expect to see?
3: Well, there will be some changes, minor adjustments there. The announcement that the drills will be held in May was made during a Central Integrated Defence Council meeting on Wednesday. This comes as some expressed concerns the public defence system has become somewhat lax in the absence of the training during some half a decade. Mobile phone text will be included in the alert system. Previously, it was issued through sirens and television captions. Relevant officials and participants also discussed establishing and supplementing emergency shelters in line with growing North Korean threats, as well as preparing and training for an integrated response to terrorism as well as cyber threats.
2: Talking of North Korea, Uh, It's believed that North Korea will likely hold a military parade on Wednesday to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the foundation of its armed forces. Uh, What's the latest here?
3: South Korean authorities project the parade could be held at night at Kim Il-sung Square in Pyongyang. Many are curious as to if North Korean leader Kim Jong-un will release any messages to Seoul or Washington or unveil new weapons. In the past, most military parades were held in the morning, but from 2018, marking the 70th anniversary of the regime's foundation, the North stage nighttime parades. While no parade was held in 2019, four times in a row it was held since 2020. According to South Korea's unification ministry, North Korea was, has held 12 military parades since Kim took power, with the regime leader attending 11 of them and delivering a speech on five occasions. Since late last year, preparations for a massive military parade have been detected near Kim Il-sung Square and medium airfield. A number of personnel and equipment were mobilized as well. Meanwhile, ahead of this parade and anniversary,
2: North Korean leader Kim Jong-un visited the barracks of the army's generals with his wife Ri sol ju and their daughter ju
3: This comes ahead of the 75th anniversary of the founding of the Korean People's Army, or the KPA. According to the state-run KCNA on Wednesday, Kim and his family went to mark the February 8th anniversary the previous day. At a banquet following the visit, Kim made an apparent reference to the regime's nuclear force, saying North Korea has endured much suffering and pain to develop a great and absolute power for lasting peace, prosperity and future generations. Photos released by the state media showed Kim's presumed second child, Chue sitting between her parents at the banquet table. Kim's latest public appearance with his daughter is believed to be an attempt to convey the message that nuclear force guarantees the safety of the regime for future generations. Right. And another
2: appearance of Kim's daughter, chu has also fueled speculation that she's being groomed to be his successor, especially as she was seen being applauded by military officials as well. That is a situation that, of course, uh, North Korea observers will be watching closely uh, moving forward. In other news, the city of Seoul is seeking to raise the basic
3: fares for subways and buses. So what's the latest here? Well, the city government submitted the proposal to the Sao Metropolitan Council on Monday. The city offered two hike proposals for subway fares, a 301 increase, meaning a basic fare of 1,551 and a 401 hike. Also, 151 charge for every 5 kilometers over the 10 covered by the base fare, while the trip exceeding 50 kilometers would incur a charge of 151 for every 8 kilometers. Both mark an increase of 50 percent over the current rates. A public hearing on Friday involving civic groups, the city council and public officials will be held to come up with a final answer to the possible digits we can expect.
2: So the city was also expected to introduce a distance-based rate for bus rides, but I understand
3: the city decided not to push for that now. And the people applaud that decision. Uh, Through a press release Wednesday, it's announced the city decided against that idea. In consideration of the financial burden on citizens and mid-ready high inflation, also the pressure on residents in Incheon and Gyeonggi province who commute to Seoul, and there's quite a lot of them out there. Before this announcement was made, many were on the edge of their seats as there was a potential to give the green light to a distance-based rate scheme for bus fares, adjusting the uniform fare set at 1,201.
2: And finally, South Korea's disaster relief team arrived in quake-stricken Turkey in the early hours of Wednesday. The team has a balloon to 118 members now as well. Uh, They will get to work and provide needed assistance in one of the worst-hit areas, I understand. Daniel, can you tell us more?
3: Well, the foreign ministry announced the Korea Disaster Relief Team, or the KDRT, boarded the KC-330 military transport aircraft at 1 a.m. and arrived at Gaziantep at around 6.57 a.m. The province is already adversely impacted by the 7.8-magnitude quake that struck on Monday. The KDRT includes officials from the National Fire Agency's 119 Emergency Rescue Squad, COICA, and the Defense Ministry. This is the largest contingent of its kind sent to a disaster area overseas by South Korea. The team will consult with the Turkish government to determine their duties and the area of operation. Search and rescue efforts are needed as soon as possible there. This is a time frame considered by experts to be critical in rescue operations. Challenges include plunging temperatures of six degrees below zero over there.
2: And what is the latest update on the situation in the uh, quake-affected regions?
3: What we're hearing is that the the death toll in uh, both Turkey and Syria has exceeded 10,000, and the WHO projects that these figures could actually double as time progresses. That could be uh, the scenario unfolding as time progresses. Uh, Looking at some bright sparks there, help is continually pouring in from across the world. Uh, Over 79,000 personnel are engaged in search and rescue operations on just the Turkish side of the border alone. We'll wrap it up there for our
2: news briefing today. Thank you for those updates. Thank you so much for having me. Late last year, -year 31-year-old Yi Gyeong was arrested for the suspected murder of a taxi driver and his former girlfriend. The gruesome details made national headlines. But when the police released his photo, there was criticism that the photo taken from his driver's license was outdated and that he no longer looked like he did in the picture. There have been calls to reform the system in disclosing the details of a suspect, including a bill that was tabled at the National Assembly this month. For more on this issue, we have joining us on the line now reporters Hodian from the Korea Jugang Daily, who has written a feature on this topic. Ms. Ha, thank you for your time today.
4: Hello, thank you for having me today.
2: Could we first go over the basics and the history of this system, revealing the photos of suspects? Uh, when did this practice in South Korea start? Well, uh, it was.
4: Until just 20 years ago, Koreans could easily see the names and faces of perpetrators on TV or in the newspapers. And a typical example is the cannibal ji or ji Klik behind a murder spree in 1993. And I don't know if you remember, but their whole names and faces were revealed in the media. But uh, that atmosphere started to change from the 2000s as awareness of human rights started to rise in Korea. And in 2004, the suspects of the Miriam Kang rape case, which totaled to 44, they were arrested. And of course, people were shocked by the brutality of the crime. And some even started to uh, gather information about the suspects on their own. And they even went on to uh, make and share a list of possible perpetrators with photos and personal information um, all included. But this caused problems because they were only suspects at the time, and some had nothing to do with the crime. Mm. So after that Miriam incident, the police began to cover suspects' faces with masks and hats in front of the press, and the media also started to refrain from disclosing personal information or the faces of suspects. But then the public opinion reversed once again after seeing a steady increase in serious crimes such as... Uh, like serial murders and rape and murder cases over the last uh, several years. And uh, eventually, certain media outlets began revealing the identity of a violent criminal suspect um, after serial killer Kang Ho-sun, who was caught in 2009. 2009, um, He was the serial killer of a murder of of 10 women, including his wife and uh, mother-in-law. So then, eventually, a change in the law was made following the growing demand for the public's right to know. And a year later, in 2010, um, two legal articles were enacted in Korea to provide guidance regarding the police's public disclosure of criminal suspects' personal information, such as their faces, names, and ages.
2: Right, so it has gone back and forth. Initially, uh, it was shown the photos and names of uh, the suspects, but then, uh, because of some concerns over human rights, uh, they were hidden, but then that's changed back because of the public's right to know, and that's where we stand today. How mm-hmm. is it then determined whether to disclose the identities of sub- subjects, uh, suspects, including their picture? Uh, what does the law stipulate? Because it's not everyone... Uh, It's not all suspects that have their identities revealed, right?
4: Mm -hmm. Um, New provisions regarding the disclosure are stipulated in Article uh, 8-2 of the Act on Special Cases Concerning the Punishment of Specific Violent Crime Cases and Article 25 of the Act on Special Cases Concerning the Punishment of Sexual Crimes. So the articles say that cases need to meet uh, a total of four criteria before the identity can be disclosed, such as the crime shall be a specific violent crime which has been committed in a cruel way. Uh, su- sufficient evidence have to exist to prove that the criminal suspect has committed the crime and the suspect shall not be a minor. But this is not it, and the final, de- su- um, the final decision has to be made by a police committee. And this police committee consists of a total of seven members, including three members from the police and four outside members, such as lawyers, doctors, and professors. Um, And this uh, committee has a checklist to ensure proper judgment, of course. And this reportedly contains about 40 items, including whether a weapon was used, uh, whether the crime was uh, premeditated, Um, and the degree of public good for the disclosure, um, which is an important factor. And at least one-third of the committee members have to agree to proceed with disclosing the suspect's identity.
2: Right, so there are certain criteria that needs to be met, and a police committee involving police and uh, other civilians as well uh, put that decision, uh, make that decision. So, what is the thinking behind revealing a suspect's identity you mentioned uh, the public's right to know earlier can you expand a bit more what does it do what is the aim for this uh, for to reveal a suspect's identity
4: yes in addition to the public's right to know uh, revealing the identity of the suspect is typically done with the intention of solving a crime or advancing an investigation um, you know, the aim is to gather information from the public or potential witnesses, or to eliminate the person as a suspect if they can be cleared. And it may also serve as a deterrent to others who may be considering similar criminal activities. And of course, there's the means of protecting the public if um, also. yeah.
2: Right. And in the case of Yi Gi-young, there were concerns that there might be be, there might have been other victims in the past, and that uh, by putting his photo out there, it could perhaps help witnesses or other victims come forward uh, with uh, more information. But the problem was that the photo released was not a recent one, but of his driver's license taken years before. So, mm-hmm. in other words, no mugshot, uh, no photos taken by the police themselves. Uh, I understand that police do take mugshots in Korea. But why are they not used when releasing the suspect's photo to the to the press, to the public?
4: Yes, that's also absurd. And it's because Korea generally protects the identity of the criminal suspect. And under their principle, recent photos, including the mugshots, cannot be released without the suspect's consent. Uh, the Korean National Police Agency explains that authoritative interpretation by the Justice Ministry and The Interior Ministry indicate that the release of a suspect's mugshot requires the permission of the suspect Uh, so a total of 44 criminal suspects have been unmasked so far in Korea and only one who is uh, isok Jun um, who received a life sentence for killing and injuring the family of an ex-girlfriend in 2021 he was the only one who so far agreed to have his mugshot released So instead, the released photo can be replaced with an ID photo when the suspect doesn't agree to have a mugshot taken. But as you said, they are often criticized for being unreliable, as usually those pictures are uh, taken from years ago. And they're also heavily uh, retouched with Photoshop which is quite a common practice here in South Korea.
2: Mm. There was also similar criticism involving the case of uh, chon Ju-hwan in the subway murder case last year, who right. was uh, sentenced to 40 years in prison just earlier this week. Uh, when his photo was first released, people said he looked very different from the photo as well. So mm-hmm. is there no other way for the suspect's uh, face to be shown to the public?
4: Generally, once the suspect's photo is released, the media naturally reveals their actual appearance when they photograph the suspects as they're transferred to the prosecution for questioning. But if the suspect covers their face or wears a mask while standing in front of the cameras, there's actually no way for the police to forcibly restrain them. So that was the case with Ku Yudong, who was arrested for murdering her ex-husband in 2019, when she covered her entire face with her long hair, which was something later sarcastically dubbed curtain hair.
2: Right, so suspects have the right to hide their face, uh, but the police can still choose to show their past uh, photos, such as a driver's license or things like that. How do other countries reveal the suspect's identities? I think we're all familiar with uh, cases in the U.S. where they do release mugshots.
4: Yes, that's correct. So in the U.S., it operates a police photograph system, which is commonly referred to as a mugshot database. And generally speaking, based on the United States Freedom of Information Act, mugshots are made publicly available through their online databases, which can be searched by anyone as they're regarded as public domain. And in the case of Japan, you may remember the identity of the suspect in Shinzo Abe's murder was revealed immediately. That's because whether to disclose anonymously or with the real name of the suspect is not determined by the police, but actually by the media themselves. But in cases where a crime is committed by a person with a mental illness or... Um, who is suspected to be so. The media doesn't release the name because a person with illness is often acquitted.
2: Okay, so what calls are being made now in Korea? Clearly, there seem to be limitations to the current system, where they do release photos of the suspects, but they're not reliable. Uh, What changes are experts and politicians proposing?
4: Well, lawmakers have recently tabled a a revision revision bill aimed at disclosing uh, recent photos of suspected felons. And last month, Representative Soren Suk of the People Power Party, he proposed a bill for authorities to release a photo of a criminal suspect taken within 30 days of an identity disclosure. And a similar amendment was also proposed by Representative Angubek of the Democratic Party. And most experts who I spoke to, they called on changes to the police committee itself because police committees, which, um, as I said earlier, um, that, des- that decide whether to reveal the suspect's identity or not. The committees, the committees are not formed on an ad hoc basis, and their decisions are often subjective. So um, experts were calling on uh, to make um a, or a clear standard of how the committees are consistent are consisted
2: right and of course there are concerns as well about uh, the fact that the suspects are thought to be innocent before proven guilty that is the system that we adopt here in korea so that also uh, comes into play to uh, how we might form a new system uh, but how do you think this issue will pan out then do you think we will see changes to the system in the near future? As we said, there is a bill at the National Assembly.
4: Uh, Well, whether uh, suspects in criminal cases should be publicly named has always been a contentious issue, not only in Korea, but also around the world. And the controversy was raised every time a notorious crime was reported, but no significant changes have been made yet. So when I spoke to the National Police Agency, and even to the head of the um, police agency's um, Human Rights Committee, they told me that there's been no special discussion made yet recently. So personally, I do support the system of the public disclosure, and I believe the law should really specify on the factors on the public's right to know and the rights of suspects for um, really to make a meaningful change.
2: We'll leave it there. We'll be speaking to reporters Hadien from the Korea Journal Daily. Thank you for your time today.
4: Thank you.
0: Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index rose 31.93 points, or 1.30 percent, on Wednesday to close the day at 2,483.64. The tech-heavy Kosdaq also rose gaining 7.19 points or 0.93% to close the day at 779.98. On the foreign exchange, the local currency weakened 4.81 against the U.S. dollar, closing the day at 1,260.11. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr we continue on now to career trending our daily
2: segments where we take a look at some of the other news headlines that have been trending online today and for that we have our contributor walter lee with us in the stu- studio Well, hello, it's good to see you. Hello, cheung It's always good to see you. Okay, so what topics have you brought for us today? Okay, so first we'll
5: find out why the Korean Army Training Centre put a stop to its measure that allows trainees to smoke. We'll also discuss a police probe into the father and stepmother of an 11-year-old boy who died on Tuesday. And finally, we'll learn why over 300 students tried to register for an archery course at Seoul National University.
2: Okay, so let's get into those stories, starting with that one about smoking, or we should say not smoking, in the army. Can you tell us more? Yes, so the Korea Army Training
5: Centre was found to have scrapped its measure that allowed trainees to smoke just some two months after the measure was put in place last year. Now, according to the military on Wednesday, the center in Nonsan South Chungchon Province reinstated its no smoking rule, but this came not long after it had allowed trainees to smoke in late January of last year in a bid to guarantee their right to smoke. Now, the training center had put the measure in place on a trial basis for the first time since adopting a no smoking policy
2: in February, 1995. Right, so just to clarify, this trial run of smoking in the army training centre was put in place last year, January, and ended within two months, but it's only just come to light today. Uh, So why did the centre decide to go back on the no smoking policy? So a
5: military official told a local news agency that the decision came after they couldn't guarantee non-smokers the right to refuse exposure to tobacco smoke. Mm. The official said that in order to guarantee the non-smokers rights, separate zones for smokers needed to be established, but
2: the centre was not equipped with such facilities. Right, I see. So uh, is smoking prohibited altogether in the military training facilities? Uh, No. So it is
5: allowed in 10 out of the some 20 such training facilities under army divisions. Meanwhile, the Navy and Air Force have a strict no smoking policy for their trainees. Take note that the Korea Army Training Center's early decision to introduce the measure was met with strong protests from anti-smoking groups. Now, at the time, the Korean Society for Research on Nicotine and Tobacco issued a statement denouncing the Center's decision to start the trial. It called on the military to exert further efforts for non-smoking rules, citing that the smoking rate among soldiers who are usually between 19 and 29 years old
2: is far higher than the ordinary population in the same age bracket. Right, well I'm sure they'll be happy to know that the trial uh, didn't continue and the army training centre remains a no-smoking area. Let's uh, move on to our next story. What do you have for us? Yeah, so
5: an absolutely terrible
2: story. An 11-year-old boy who had not been to school since
5: late November of last year has sadly and tragically died, and police are questioning the child's father and stepmother. Now, the Incheon Metropolitan Police said Wednesday that it detained the couple on charges of child abuse, resulting in death on Tuesday night. The deceased's father called emergency services around 1.44pm Tuesday, saying his son was not breathing. The boy was transported to a nearby hospital while getting
2: CPR, but like I mentioned, tragically, he did not make it. Okay, so why do the police... Uh, believe the parents might have something to do with his death.
5: So police discovered that the boy had bru- bruises all over his body, which could be signs of abuse, and decided to detain the couple via an emergency arrest, given the urgency and severity of the alleged crime. In such cases, police first detained suspects and then request the court for an arrest warrant afterwards. However, the couple denied the charges, saying that the bruises were self-inflicted. There had been no previous reports of child abuse in the couple's home, Uh, The boy's two siblings have been separated from the couple and will be transferred to child protection
2: facilities. Yes, well, it's certainly unsettling. Uh, You mentioned that the boy hadn't gone to school since last November. Why is that? Well, his father and stepmother had
5: pulled the boy out, refusing the school's request to send him back for studies. The couple had told the school that they were homeschooling their son to prepare him to study abroad in the Philippines. Even before he failed to attend class for some two months, the boy was often absent. Mm. So
2: while there is no prior report of abuse, uh, there are perhaps odd actions in the past then. So what's next for the investigation? So police are still grilling the couple to
5: determine whether the boy died of child abuse. They plan to request the National Forensic Service to conduct an autopsy on the deceased to determine the exact cause of death.
2: Yes, it looks like more investigation is needed before any sort of conclusions can be made. But uh, it does look worrying. Yes. OK, let's move on to our final story for today. What else has been trending?
5: Yeah, so the Seoul National University community was buzzing after rumours got out that South Korean recurve archer and three-time Olympic gold medalist, Ki Bo could teach one of the school's liberal arts courses. The rumours began after a syllabus for the archery subject was posted on the school's course registration system on January 26th. Though the box where the teacher's name is mentioned was empty for the course, many came to speculate that it could be taught by Ki because the syllabus name file read Syllabus underscore archery underscore bear dot hwp. It is a one-credit freshman course and will provide classes at
2: 9am and 11am on Fridays. Well, that is a very revealing file name. Uh, kibobe she became a bit of a national hero after she won her first... Two gold medals at the London Olympics in 2012. Mm. She won one more gold medal, I believe, uh, four years after that. Uh, so I understand the students rushed to sign up for the right. class. How many uh, tried to sign up in the end? Well, a
5: whopping more than 300 students sought to apply for the course, posting a competition ratio of 10 to 1, as each class has a quota of some 31 students. <laughs> so the school's community notice boards were flooded with the posts about students who had succeeded in registering for the course and about how the heated competition demonstrates Key's strong
2: popularity. But as you mentioned, these were just rumours, right? It wasn't confirmed. While the file name included a Key's name, the teacher sector teacher's section uh, was left empty what has the school said then about the course
5: okay so the school said it has yet to finalize the person who'll be teaching that class it is set to finalize the selection of lecturers around the end of this month now sources close to key told a local daily that key is cautious about commenting on the rumors
2: as she is waiting for a related notification Right, well, it seems they inadvertently (laughs) let the cat out of the bag. We'll see if it is indeed key leading this course uh, next semester. Okay, we'll wrap it up there for today's Career Trending. Thank you for those stories, Walter, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Continue on now to our Literary Corner Korea Book Club, where we explore the world of Korean literature through works available in translation and beyond. And for that we have joining us in the studio now our
6: literary critic Barry Welsh. Barry, hello. It's uh, great to see you again. Yes, good evening. OK, so what do you have in store for us today? So tonight we're reviewing a short story called Sentinel. The Korean title is Pasu and it's by Kim chang uh translated by Charles LaSure and published in the November 2019 issue of Clark's World Science Fiction and Fantasy Magazine. And so you can actually get this story for free online uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll share the link. Uh, but uh, Kim is a very highly regarded sci-fi writer, here in South Korea, one of the most celebrated and, and high profile probably but sadly doesn't actually have a huge amount of work translated into English yet. Uh, he has quite an interesting background. He studied electrical engineering at college and he was a programmer uh, before he started his writing career. He debuted back in 2005 with an award winning story called Sang, which was about a virus spreading across the world uh, and then since then he's won several of the big South Korean sci-fi awards. He won the the grand prize in 2014 at the South Korean SF Awards for a story called The Update and then he won the same prize again in 2016 for a story called Our Banished World Uh, and he's also active as a critic and a translator of science fiction and he's translated uh, classic uh, science fiction books like uh, William Gibson's New Romancer and uh, China Muville's The City and the City. Uh, Today's story, uh, The Sentinel, is set in the distant future after the collapse of civilization in a society where the survivors exist in a delicate balance with their environment and must follow very strict rules to survive. It's a bleak but soulful vision of humanity's future and it touches on several uh, challenging and complicated themes.
2: Right, just to give our listeners a bit more context as well, along with writers like Kim Bo-young and Juna, who we've talked about on this segment before. Mm-hmm. Kim chang Yu is one of the, uh, I guess, icons of Korean science fiction beloved by readers. Uh, now, we've reviewed uh, several novels and short stories in the past couple of years from trailblazing Korean sci-fi writers, and it's undeniable that the genre is exploding in all sorts of uh, exciting directions at the moment. However, one theme that uh, Korean and sci-fi writers in general uh, return to again and again is that of uh, life after civilization collapse, uh, like we're talking about today. So then, Barry, how does Kim
6: depict his version of a post-apocalyptic world Right yeah so this is a, a theme that sci-fi writers return to again and again uh, and it is interesting how Kim chooses to, to show it so uh, his his story Kim's version of a post-apocalyptic world it's set in the distant future at some point uh, and you know like many of these sci-fi novels and stories global uh, global civilization uh, has collapsed due to environmental disasters so we learn warming and climate anomalies uh, and we then learn that this disaster 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 was our fault, uh, and that attempts were made to prevent it. But despite the advanced technology that we possessed, uh, the disaster or the disasters uh, couldn't be averted. So some attempt was made to perhaps move to a different universe or uh, a different galaxy even, but it simply wasn't uh, possible to develop suitable technology in time. And as such, uh, the human- humanity that does remain has been reduced to just 2,458 people. And the habitable area is just 187 kilometres uh, in-, in circumference. Mm. And outside this you know, very small area is just desolation. Uh, and this circumference is ringed with uh, advanced and sophisticated machines called sentinels. So the, the, the sort of last example of the advanced technology that we'd created Uh, and these sentinels they serve a couple of purposes one they protect the small space that's remaining to humanity in ways that aren't entirely clear at first and then two, they draw energy from the fading stars in the sky and they convert that energy uh, so that the few remaining humans uh, can, can use it to survive. And this this idea about the use of energy is the crux of the story. So these survivors, they exist in a, a, this sort of fragile and delicate balance where they have to be conscious of every small amount of energy uh, they use, sort calculated to every uh, joule or, or um, small the smallest measurable amount of, of energy. And it's so strict that um, the people who squander energy, they risk uh, expulsion from society. And so Kim uses this uh, situation to explore uh, the role of energy in our, our lives.
2: Yes, it's uh, quite hauntingly timely, really, especially mm-hmm. when we're seeing uh, surging gas bills here in Korea and the rest of the world in recent months, households are closely keeping track of how much energy they are using uh, this winter. And while it may be due to the crisis in Ukraine currently, Mm -hmm. in the long term, I guess it could become more of a longer lasting issue. As we're all aware, there is a limit to fossil fuels and uh, the rise in renewables remains Mm -hmm. slow. This could just be the start of our struggle with the relationship with energy. Uh, In any case, where does... Kim then take this idea? How does he depict
6: our relationship with energy in the future. Right, yeah. So it, it's a super interesting uh, you know, concept. Uh, and we're introduced to the importance of energy in this future society through the main character, Chongjie. Uh And he's an engineer and he's tasked with looking after and repairing uh, the sentinels. Uh, and the sport story begins with Chongji waking up and immediately we notice his preoccupation with energy. How much energy uh, is he using? How much energy is he expending? on any you know little activity he's very careful down to this the smallest thing as he goes about his his daily work of uh, maintaining the sentinels he has to train a new recruit recruit he has to gather some wood uh, and as he performs these tasks we learn that the remaining survivors calculate an annual energy budget of sort of sorts uh, and to overspend uh, is is one of the worst things that you can do and so in this first section of the story we see this very precarious state of this uh, uh, fragile energy economy and how it affects people, we also learn that Zhongqi has suffered some kind of tragic event, uh, some some sort of heartbreak in his past that will be important later. And then in the story's second half, we learn that there is a vote that takes place every year. Uh, and to preserve energy uh, and you know the, the, the society itself, each year the least useful person is expelled from society. Uh, and they say we must eliminate the person whose ratio of productive activity to energy consumption was the lowest. So every year someone is cast out and essentially uh, sentenced to to death. Uh, And this year's decision is to cast out a politician who had previously been a representative of the people. And this leads to some difficult questions about the value of politicians and individuals in general. Wow, so very macabre setting uh-huh. indeed. And it seems
2: there's also a commentary on politics going on there as well. Uh, another topic that will elicit quite a lot of uh, emotions. I mean, who hasn't one time or another <laughs> questioned the worth of our uh, elected representatives? It's mm-hmm. a, another interesting layer to this story then. So what is Kim trying to say about the value of politicians and how successful
6: uh, is the story overall Barry right yeah so there's, there's a lot of different things happening in this story and, and it does pre- present In one view, a very negative uh, perspective on politicians. You know, we see the hubris and the arrogance of of a man who thinks that he is more important than the average person. He believes his life is worth more because of the contribution he's made to society. Uh, He says, uh, you know, he believed that he was worth more than others, even though he didn't do any work at all just because of his title as a representative. He said that it was that leaders are different. From anyone else, they are by no means equal. So, on the one hand, you know we we can see how dysfunctional this view, but perhaps is, but it isn't quite that simple. This politician, he has shaped this society in a way that has enabled it to continue when perhaps it might not have. But then it's also further complicated by the idea that it's impossible to calculate the value of an individual. To society by some kind of logic, and the amount of energy that the person consumes, right? So it raises this issue of what about love? What what value uh, is life if it's reduced to some kind of mere calculation? Uh, and this leads to all sorts of uh, uh, interesting complications in, in the, the, the second half of the story. And overall, it's a very you know, soulful and uh, haunting story that I think will give readers uh, lots to think about. And I hope that we get more from Kim. Tran- Translated into English uh, sometime soon.
2: Sure. Well, it sounds like a, a grim but a remarkable thought-provoking story—a sort of classic science fiction setup, perhaps in the mould of a *Soylent Green* or mm-hmm. something like yeah, that. Right, right. I think science fiction mm-hmm. fans will particularly enjoy the ideas uh, explored in this story. Once again, it's called *Sentinel* by Kim Tangyu. I believe it's available to read on the Clark's World yes, website. Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. So I think we'll put up a link on our social media accounts somewhere as well, so our listeners can check that out. Okay, we'll bring it to a close there. Barry, thank you for introducing us to that work. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Okay, take care.
4: Did you enjoy this segment? You can discover more segments like this throughout the week on Korea24. On Monday, we bring you news from the world of sports around the peninsula. Then on Tuesday, notable guests from various fields join us and give us insight into their lives and work. Are you a fan of books? Then tune in on Wednesday for Korea Book Club where our book critic helps us unpack works by Korean authors or written on Korea. Go on an adventure with us every Thursday as we take a look at Korea's hidden gems with Explore Korea. And on Friday, listen to what our film critics have to say about the latest movie releases from both home and abroad. We have all that you need, all in one place on Korea 24.
2: We've come to our closing segment now, Morning Edition Preview, where we take a look at some interesting features and reports coming out in tomorrow's newspapers, namely the Korea Times and the Korea Herald. And for that, our staff editor Richard Larkin has joined us now in the studio. Richard, hello. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, Django. Okay, so what's the first article
1: that you have brought for us today? We have some movie news for our listeners. Kim Dussel's article in the entertainment section of the Korea Herald explains that a 4K remastered version of Bong Joon-ho's 2006 monster film The Host will be released. But there is one catch. It will only be released in France. Right, okay. So a special treat
2: for French filmgoers then. Uh, Why is the movie getting a 4K release nearly two
1: decades after it's hit cinemas now? It's all part of an exhibition held by Institut Lumière, an organisation in Lyon, France, that looks to promote and preserve filmmaking. So from Thursday until March 22nd, seven of Bong's films will be screened. This includes the 4K version of The Host, which will be screened on March 8th. It also includes other huge hits such as Snowpiercer, Okja and Parasite. The organisation said that it chose Bong as he is one of the most important filmmakers in our era. It also said that he is one of the most creative people in Asia.
2: Indeed. I mean, that is just quite the incredible back catalogue that you've mentioned there already. (laughs) Uh, And I understand that's not all. The Institute is holding
1: some other events to promote Pong's works, right? That's right. The director himself will visit France to hold two masterclasses. He will meet with audiences at the Grand Rex Theatre in Paris on February 26th and at Institut Lumière on the 27th. And he will be joined by Thierry Framont, the director of the Cannes Film Festival. It sounds like a great opportunity for movie lovers and also those who have dreams of directing. Mm. <laughs> I wish I could go. <laughs> going back to the host though, even though the remaster will only be shown in France, I hope it will be screened in other countries in the future. It would be good to see it. The movie was actually the first South Korean film I ever saw. Oh, wow. Okay.
2: Well, I guess if you're going to have a film introduce you to Korean cinema, Bong Joon-ho's works <laughs> are a good start indeed. Uh, Yes, it's a shame that we won't be able to see it here, but it's uh, good to know that a 4K version is out there somewhere. Okay, let's move
1: on to our next story. What do you have for us? Next is John Dombas' story from the National Section of the Korea Times. So there's a zoo in Yangsan, South Gyeongsang province that has been closed since 2020. But for three years, one animal has been living there alone. And that is an adult female Bengal tiger named Hosuni.
2: Oh, wow. So one... Bengal tiger remaining in a closed zoo as well. Okay, so why
1: is the tiger living there alone then? The article says that it has been difficult trying to rehome Hosuni. Discussions began last year with Uchi Park Zoo in Guangzhou Metropolitan City, but the zoo needed time to remodel its tiger cage before it could take in the animal. So the tiger has not moved. Complaints have been sent about the tiger's living conditions since at least 2021. And the situation recently got more attention overseas after three foreigners who were visiting a nearby temple saw the closed zoo. They discovered Hosuni and uploaded a video about the situation online.
2: Yes, i not surprised that it has uh, caused uh, some backlash. Uh, many people have issue with just having animals in cages at all. Right. Uh, Never mind keeping them alone for three years. It is a a tragic situation. Has
1: uh, the zoo or local government said anything about this situation? Well, according to the article, a Yangsan City government official confirmed that complaints have been received about the living conditions of the tiger. The official added that the city has been talking with the zoo owner and the Ministry of Environment to figure out what is happening. The company that owns the zoo, Dongil Engineering and Construction, said that an employee has been living on the property and looking after the tiger. It also said that Hosoni should be moved to a new home in February or March, if possible.
2: Yes, hopefully they will address this situation swiftly, uh, very swiftly. Uh, we'll wrap it up there for our morning edition preview segment. Thank you for bringing us those stories, Richard, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. And that's where we're going to wrap up our show today. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be back the same time tomorrow. So do join us again then. I've been your host, Kwon jang and thank you, as always, for listening. Goodbye.